0: Hey everyone. This is Anna Firmanov and this is Modern Startup Marketing, a show that's shining a light on those startups that are taking their marketing efforts to the next level. And now to this episode. I've got Michelle Heath, founder and CEO at Growth Street, which was started in 2013 oh my goodness, eight years, eight years strong. The great Um, eight. (laughs) The great eight. (laughs) Michelle has worked across startups and big name brands, and that includes E-Trade, JPMorgan Chase, and Fidelity Investments are some of those. So what is Growth Street? When businesses need to achieve the next level of growth, Growth Street is Basically, the growth strategy consulting firm that creates the tailwind for success. And we'll talk more about that. What does that mean? But I love the quote that you had about Growth Street moving quickly is a big time competitive advantage. We don't like wasting time or money, no politics, BS, or over processed approaches. And your motto is giddy up. And I'd love yeah. to ask you, and I love this, I think that. There's a lot of this like waste of time and waste of money and politics yeah. and all that stuff going on. And yeah. I I want to stay far away from that too. And that's <laughs> why I, I, I love this motto. So tell me about Giddy Up. Where did this come from? What is this all about?
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Anna. First of all, like I said to you, like you and I meeting, we've been like spirit animals because I feel like we have the same thinking about the power of brand and marketing. So I'm like really excited to be here today and talk to you. So thank you. So giddy up. Well, first of all, I have to pay homage to where it really, really came from, which is if you happen to be a Seinfeld lover, then you know that whenever Kramer gets really excited about something, he goes giddy up. And that's kind of his phrase. And so as all good things happen, when you're planning your business, you might be like out on a walk, or for me, I was out on a run. And this whole idea of giddy up really came from wanting to give businesses a way to just move faster and get the giddy up. And what happens oftentimes with strategy is people hear the word strategy, and they're like, Oh, my God, you know, this is going to take months and years, and we're going to be sequestered into a conference room, and it's never going to see the light of day. And we just got to like, get stuff out the door. And I agree. So what I wanted to be able to give our clients and to give people who are doing hard jobs running businesses is a better way where they can really have that giddy up. And, you know, we put all the overprocessed approaches to the side and all the crap that gets in the way. And we really focus on getting great work done. That's really going to make an impact in helping them grow their business. So we say That's that's
0: (laughs) And you do use it consistently everywhere. And I think it's like your fuel, right? It It gets you excited and it it gets you pumped up. So I love it. So you've got way more experience than me with your company, many more years, but we did connect over the fact that we both agree. Number one, the customer is always at the center of marketing efforts. Mm -hmm. Number two, the huge importance of voice of the customer research and building personas and digging deep to uncover insights, which makes everything else further down the road easier, which not everyone agrees with, Mm -hmm. or there's just varying levels of, I built my personas. It's done. It's ready. We know enough. And then you did dig deeper and it's actually not a like a full dimensional person that they're actually talking about is just some information here and right, there. Right. Right. Which is not even useful for their Correct. marketing. We did talk about post-its, right? Your love of post-its <laughs> and using <laughs> that for everything. And I also yes. love post-its in like the physical world and the digital world. Yes. And then also brand. So brand, which is part of how you describe your company, brand is the tailwind and the inefficiencies that stem from not building that brand from start. So a lot that we have connected on. And that is why I'm so happy to have you here and to go deep on some questions that... You know, usually I have startup founders and marketing leaders on this podcast, but sometimes I want to just bring in other folks that are helping companies out with their marketing efforts because we kind of get the view of what's happening, what's the lay of the land, like what's happening across all of these different companies, what are the patterns we're seeing, what are the challenges, what are the successes that they're having and that to me is really interesting. Exactly. So let's start. I've got tons of questions. Um, Awesome. I'm ready. Tell me about Growth Street's growth story. How big is the team? What's your role? What are you focused on
1: right now? Right. So as you mentioned, we had our great eight. And for anyone following on LinkedIn, I did a whole series on the eight lessons that I've learned. It probably could have been 88 lessons I've learned, but I really tried to kind of boil them into the key learnings that I've had. Because, you know, the one thing about running a business and I know, I mean, you and I have talked about this, Anna, like you can set your compass and decide where you're going and put your goals together and your plans together and all of your best intentions together. And it doesn't always go the way that you think it's going to go. And so something I say to our clients all the time is that growth is a very windy road. You know, you love to think that it is, you know, this beautiful highway (laughs) where you can just cruise along at, you know, 70 miles an hour. But the market is constantly changing. Right. And so the dynamics of your business have to be constantly changing. Your customers are constantly changing and what they need and want and desire from you or from whoever is going to provide it to them. That's always changing. So for Growth Street, our growth story Was that when I founded the company in 2013, my going in hypothesis was that what startups really needed was a trusted advisor. So my background, as as you mentioned, was big financial services companies, corporate finance, and jumped off, went to run a number of startups as a CMO. And what I never could figure out how to get without spending millions of dollars for it was a real trusted advisor and someone who could strategically help me grow my business. Agencies are not really set up to do that. It's really not their model. Consultants are really hard to find and you just couldn't afford big consulting firms. And honestly, they're not really set up to do that either, to really get immersed in your business as your partner. And so when I set off to found Growth Street and to start that, that's really what I wanted to be able to provide. And what that ended up looking like, I'd say, for probably the first four years, maybe three to four years of the company, was more like outsourced marketing services. And that's really what startups needed. They needed a fractional CMO. They didn't want to spend the money to bring in a full-time CMO. Oftentimes, you weren't ready yet. They didn't have the funding to do it. They didn't have the funding to bring in a team, so I could bring the team with us. And so it was really about marketing services. And the challenge that I uncovered over that time is that, you know, it can be a lucrative business model. But what was missing for me was that it was really not unleashing my superpower. And what I started to see that I was doing was I was unleashing my superpower, but it wasn't part of the services that I was offering. And that was really about the power of brand. So lots of startups don't want to spend money on brand because they think brand is fluff and they think it's just branding, which is a logo and a color palette and your visual identity is just very different from brand strategy. And they didn't understand that. And I said, you know, I need to help businesses see this differently because they're missing the whole point. And that's where this whole tailwind comes into. So we pivoted midway and we pivoted to be that growth strategy consulting firm because We want to give businesses this new way and really be that trusted advisor so our clients hire us because that's really what they need. They need someone to come in, give them outside perspective, really help them look at the problems differently, get outside of their own heads, bring in the voice of the customer and be what we call brand led. And that's really letting brand lead you so that you can really grease the skids for everything that you're going to do in the go-to-market. And our team, we call our A-team, are some of the most incredible people I've ever worked with. I'm so honored to work with them every day. And the model is really, you get the team that you need when you need it. So if you only need the strategy section right now, you're going to have members of the A-team. I'm in every single client engagement which is crazy, but amazing at the same time. And I bring the right people from the team. So you're not paying for the B team and the people sitting on the bench, you're paying for the people you need when you need them. And then as the strategy components all get worked through and we move into execution and we move into the go-to-market and all the marketing tactics, we can bring those members of the team as well to help actually support your team. If so, a lot of our clients already have a marketing team and we can actually embed ourselves. Or if you don't have a marketing team, we can really be that outsource marketing team for you. So it gives our clients a lot of flexibility. And we always start with strategy because we know that that's really going to create that efficiency.
0: Awesome. Love it. Thank you so much for that background. So you touched on branding. And you kind of like smirked a little bit and you touched on brand, (laughs) branding. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Um, Marketing. Like, from your perspective and experience, like, what do these terms mean? What's the difference? And why should it even matter? I just wanna understand like, I've talked to different founders at startups and they have a different perspective. Maybe there is no one right answer, but what's your thinking behind? These three different terms, why do they even matter? Like, why does it matter to understand them? And why do you say that building brand from the start is going to be, you know, where the bulk of the success comes from?
1: Right. It's so interesting, Anna. You know, I don't know if you've been on Clubhouse yet, but I've been really immersing myself there and getting into the conversations. And I was in a Clubhouse conversation with... Grant Cardone and a whole bunch of people who are talking about this the other day, right? And so I love that this conversation is happening because I've been talking about this for years and I finally feel like people are waking up to the difference. And the reason that the difference matters is because brand has a role, branding has a role, and marketing has a role. If we lump them all together, then we miss the power that each of those specific activities bring as we're building our business. So the way that I look at it is that brand strategy is where we begin. And brand strategy is the voice of the customer. You know, It's understanding where you wanna go as a business and all of the business goals. And that's where we start with our clients. I mean, as much as we're brand strategy, I'm a business strategist at heart, right? So I know how to, to look where you want to go and where you want to plant that flag. And you know we're working with a Fortune 500 company right now and helping them think ahead to the year 2030. It's like, shake the snow globe. Do I have a crystal ball? What does that even look like? But that's really powerful, right? If you're going to look that far ahead, what does that look like? How do we align the business goals to the brand? And how is the brand in alignment of the business strategy? So, So if you don't have a brand strategy you are missing the power of that alignment. So your brand strategy should be in alignment with your business strategy. And then it is everything that you talked about in terms of the voice of the customer. And that's where all of that comes in, where we are able to listen and learn. And this is the hard work. I often feel that that businesses don't want to do the brand strategy part because it's hard, right? You have to set aside all your preconceived notions, right? Everything that you think about your beautiful baby, right? Your business is this beautiful baby, right? You've like cared for it and loved it and built it. And then I come in and I'm like, "Mm, you know, your baby is kind of not that beautiful because it's not doing its job, right? And, And I come in and I sort of like show you the things that aren't working, the power of that. Right. When you listen to your customers, and we went through this with one of our clients where they thought they were one thing and their clients thought they were something totally different. And they had a total perception reality gap. When you have that gap, I mean, just think about it. It's like open the window and just throw the money out the window. You want to close the revenue gap? They wanted to get from an $800 million business to a billion dollar business. It's not going to happen. So when these gaps exist, you often don't even know it. And until you take that time to build your brand strategy, Connect with your customers, hear their words, really dig into what their motivations are and their desires. And you mentioned personas, and they can be such an overused term. But the way we do personas is to really get to go deep. They should drive everything. They should drive the way that we think about the messaging, the positioning, the value proposition, and and really speaking in the customer's words. And then when we know. When we know all that real deep, awesome stuff about our customers, then we know where they are. Then we know how to find them. Then we're not just like some auto sales bot on LinkedIn, just spamming messages, trying to hit people, which... Oh, you get that too, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) I did an experiment last night and I accepted 20 people who had tried to connect with me who I thought were just going to try to sell me something. So I hadn't accepted them. I was like, I'm going to put my bias aside and try it and 18 of the 20 were all sales pitches. Like what is the value? There's no value for me there. So brand is about serving your market and really understanding what that foundation is. So if you think of brand as like, it's like building a house to me, you would never build a house without a foundation. I mean, I guess you would, but it doesn't make any sense to do it that way. So Brand is building the foundation. Those are your pillars, your vision, your mission, your unique value proposition. It's all the things that you stand for and the things that make you unique and give you that white space in your market. And so, if you don't take that time, I call it like the sea of sameness, then you're just saying what everybody else is saying. I mean, we work with a cybersecurity company, and I lined up there their messaging and positioning against all their competitors, everybody's saying the same thing. Customers can't choose. They don't know. Like, what are you going to do for me? How are you going to solve my problem? Then it's based on price, right? Then it becomes a price and feature war and you're just stuck in the feature trap and it's really hard to get out of. So you've got to be in the value zone. Brand is the value zone. So setting that brand strategy. Then there's branding. Branding is your visual identity. It's what you look like, the way that you portray yourself in the market. It could be the creative that you use. It could be your logo and your brand mark and your color palette and all of those things that consistently work together to manifest your brand in your market, right? Then there's marketing. And marketing is all of the go-to-market tactics and activities. They're your campaigns, they're your channels, they're your, all of your social media posts and your emails and, and all of the stuff that you do to connect. And the biggest mistake that I see companies make is they go right to marketing, right? They go right to the end. I know you see this too. I've talked about this so much, right? They're like, we need to build a demand gen machine. Okay, great. You go build the demand gen machine and it doesn't work. Because nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows what you stand for. Nobody knows how you're different from the five other guys that are selling the same thing. And you're just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that it sticks. So these are like three legs of the stool that have to work together. And doing one without the other is going to be a swing and a miss. Thank you so much, Michelle. This is a gold nugget. I love these gold nuggets within
0: these episodes. You explained it beautifully. That is why we are spirit (laughs) animals. Yes, I love it. (laughs) And I love that. I love that you are on Clubhouse and you're still connecting to this. You're still having these conversations because you're so deeply ingrained in it. It's just part of your values and your your thinking. So there's just no going away from it once that becomes part of who you are and what your company is
1: about. Yeah, and you know, I also find that because this world is changing so fast. You know, it's like the unprecedented times. It's not unprecedented times. It's just, this is life, right? And life is that it feels like it can be moving at warp speed. And so the only way that I can continue to provide tremendous value for the people who follow me on social media and my clients and myself and my family and my team and everyone that I'm interacting with. The only way that I can do that is to continue to pressure test my own ideas, right? And to continue to learn, you know, it's like this growth mindset. I feel like I'm in this like hyper growth mindset of wanting to hear like, what are other people saying? What are they doing? What are they trying how can I apply those things to the things that I'm helping our clients do? And that makes me better. It fuels me, but it also makes me better. And I think as business builders and branders and marketers, we must be out listening, sharing, serving, learning so that we can take those ideas and be testing and trying. I mean, that's the whole premise, right? Of being a great brander and marketer is we've got to be constantly testing and trying new ideas. So that's a lot of the fuel of the fire for me.
0: <laughs> this is awesome. Okay, so let me ask you then, yeah. and this is going a little bit off of the document, but like how long does brand strategy, how long should that take? Is this like a long process? Is it weeks? Is it months? When companies come to work with you, how long do you take on that part? Because a lot of the time startups just, they don't have time to spend right. on a long strategic And maybe this goes back to, you're not about the BS and the over
1: approaches. So how do you think about time-wise, how long that takes? So I think about everything in giddy-up. Like giddy-up is the time factor, you know? So what we say to our clients is we can work as fast as you can work. So as you know, every organization is so different. And so for some of our clients, they're super giddy-up. They want to move really fast and we can have a full brand strategy done in four to six weeks. Now I'll tell you the long pole in the tent is always the customer interviews and always the executive sessions if we need more cycles, right? And customer interviews, we can get all those scheduled and they're done. You know, I try to do those and depending on how many we need to do, you know, those are a week, maybe two weeks. Some of our more complex clients. Like if they have multiple segments, we just need to do more, but, but we're ready to move, you know? And so to me, strategy should not be months strategy. I would love it to be days, but look, the reality about strategy is it's thinking time. And so when we start engagements with our clients, I have a success criteria that I share with them because it is a trust And we require time. And it's not just like, I need 30 minutes of the CEO here. It's I need the CEO to come to the table and be ready. Phone is aside, all the email and your everything pinging at you is closed down so that you can focus. And when that happens, we're able to move quickly. Where it can drag out is when it's not the focus for the company. And so Over the past eight years, I've gotten good at reading that and really being upfront about what it's going to take for this to be successful. This is not for us. This is for you, right? And I say this all the time, like this is your strategy. So you're paying us to help you. But my job, the way I look at it is like, I am the ultimate kind of creative facilitator, right? The answers are in your customers and the answers are within you and your team. And then my job is to pull them out, figure out how to put them together and make sense of them so that we have that strategic foundation that is going to make everything so much more efficient, but it requires that time commitment and that effort from our clients. So it really is you know, a two-way street. We're ready to move and giddy up. Love it. Yep. Okay,
0: let's talk about the book that you're writing. You Ooh, got yeah. like, all this stuff going on. Plus
1: <laughs> you're writing a book.
0: Um, It's about the power of brand as business value and how brand is so misunderstood. So kind of tying into what we just talked about. Tell me more about this book. What are you putting in there? How did you get to the idea of writing this book? And what are you actually going to put in there?
1: Well, the book has been, I'd say, rumbling in my head probably since I started my business, right? You know, so eight years ago, I remember. And so my dad is my strategic advisor. He is like my own spirit animal in his own way. And I remember, you know, I had quit my job. I had left my startup. It was just time for me to go. I was so burnt out. I needed to do something new. I was hanging a shingle. I was in the middle of getting a divorce. I mean, why not add more into the fray, right? Just Mm -hmm. like throw it all in there. And I was like, I need to write a book. You know, I need to write, this was eight years ago. And I I remember having this whole conversation with my dad and it was like, okay, but the priorities of writing a book, like the lift that it takes to do it and all this stuff. And so I kind of got in my own head about like, I don't have time to do it and I put it to the side. And then probably about three to four years ago, I was like, I need to do this. And my ideas are becoming more clear. And the thing for anyone who is either considering writing a book or if you have written a book is that your ideas are evolving so fast that it almost feels like the book is happening and your ideas are sort of are evolving at the same time and making sure that they're staying consistent with what you want to say in the book that to me is the biggest challenge is making sure that I'm staying in lockstep with what I want to be able to tell readers and the title is not there yet so maybe I'll have to come back and have a poll or something and have people kind of give me their advice but the premise of the book is all about helping to change the perception of brand and giving CEOs and CMOs and really anyone that's using, you know, if you're using brand and marketing to grow your business, giving them a new way of thinking about the power of brand. Because I will say maybe eight out of 10 business executives think brand is branding right so they lump brand you know you say brand and they're like oh i don't you know i don't need to pay all this money for a logo and i don't need to pay all that. and they're missing the power and the power is everything you and i talked about 10 minutes ago which is the brand strategy and creating that foundation and being brand led and bringing the customer into the strategy and using the customer's voice to find the words that are really going to connect and help you differentiate in your market, help you stand for something to stand out. That to me is the holy grail brand and I think that there are so many businesses that can really benefit from understanding that power that they maybe are misunderstood about what it is or what it isn't and I really want to set that record straight and help them see what that power can do for their business and really helping them achieve that next level of growth or close those gaps. You know, there's lots of businesses that come to, you know, most of our clients come to us when there's a problem. And, you know, how do you close those gaps? I'd say nine times out of 10, that's brand. They just haven't spent the time really defining who they are, what they stand for, why that's important, and then making that, you know, connection with their customers. And that to me is the power. And we call that the tailwind, right? You know, if you're on a plane and you're in a headwind, it's going to take you longer to get there. Like, why would you want to do it that way? And so many businesses, that's how they run their go-to-market and all their marketing efforts is like, they're right into into the headwind Instead, the brand gives you that tailwind and really helps you with that efficiency.
0: And let me just say one thing that there are some startups that have been successful. They put off the branding exercises, the strategy, Mm -hmm. and they're sort of like shaking up, you know, an industry or doing something that nobody else is doing. And then they're Mm -hmm. able to use like growth marketing tactics all that without really spending much time on branding Uh to be successful. And everyone looks at that as a great example of, look, you don't need brand. Right. right? But what they don't realize is that most businesses aren't set up that way. They're not completely shaking up an industry and there are no Mm. other competitors really that are, you know, sizable. They don't need to worry. so that doesn't happen often so you shouldn't right. look at that as a great example of how to do it yourself right
1: right and i do think there's different strokes for different folks right there are people who they will not agree with me they'll be like brand you know you just got to get out there and test and try it and one of the clubhouses i was on the other day people were talking about that and saying i like, can you do it without a brand strategy you can and to your point you can but they all said like you still have to do that research. You still have to do that voice of the customer. You still have to understand your market. And so to me, it's like, well, then why not write it down? (laughs) Why not build it into an asset that you can have? That's your voice. That's what you sound like. It's what you stand for. And, And because to me, the holy grail of brand is consistency, right? So you could have the greatest ideas in the world. But if you're not consistent about how you're telling the world, then you're really just kind of lost in the shuffle. And you're just going to get lost in the sea of sameness with your customers. And brand is about creating that consistency. So I think even if you decide you don't want to write it all down, and you don't want to spend the time up front, and you want to go out and kind of growth hack your way there, you're going to need to look for those consistency trails, right? And look for those trends of where are those things connecting. And oftentimes when our customers are doing it that way, they're having to spend more upfront, right? So now you're having to do more paid media, lots of like paid media tests, and across lots of different channels, you need resourcing to help you do that. And so it's a totally different strategy that's going to require different resourcing time and budget in order to test those things out. And so to me, I'm like, it would be more cost effective to do the brand strategy first, feel like you have a better foundation, and then those tests are going to be more effective and efficient. So it's so just a different way of looking at it. So tell me, brand, clearly
0: you're a believer, it's going to help you with your business. How do you prove the impact
1: of brand, brand strategy? Yeah. So it's a great question. And I'd say it it really depends on your company and what you're trying to achieve. What we like to look at is, I feel like the pendulum has shifted to over KPIing on everything. (laughs) I'm sure you see this in your work too. And it's like, you know, these giant spreadsheets and everybody's tracking every foreseeable thing. But what we really try to do is pick a metric that we're going to stand for. So an example would be like for one of our clients, brand momentum is a really important metric for them. And we were tracking a whole bunch of stuff. And when we thought about the power and we're shifting them to being brand led, which is really exciting because they're a 50 year old business and they've been doing what they're doing for a long time. They have incredible market traction, but they really want to to accelerate that growth. And when we looked at all the things that they were tracking, we said, you know, for them and for their business and for what's important to them, brand momentum is really that metrics. And the way that they measure that is through surveys that they do with their customers. They're both qualitative and quantitative. There's a mix of both and understanding the market's perception of the brand. So they're really focused on, you know, is your brand on the way up? Is your brand on the way down? And really wanting to know what the customer and the market read is on brand perception. So we've helped them to define ways to do that and make that a reality. Because brand can be tough to prove. And a lot of CEOs are like, well, you know, we're spending all this money and what does it actually mean? And if I hear there's no ROI on brand one more time, I might, you know, Center. Um, throw a pillow throw, at the
0: wall. Throw a <laughs> pillow at the wall.
1: Or scream into a pillow. Scream into ah. So, you know, and then for other companies, they look at things like NPS. And you know, the challenge with NPS to me is that it's one lens. And you really need to define what do you want brand to do? For your business? What is the role of brand? And is it about the connection that brand is making with your customers? Is it about the way that brand is helping to drive loyalty and repeat purchases? Is it about brand as being share of market, share of wallet? And then figuring out like, what is that best metric going to be? And so to me, it's really not a one size fits all because every organization is so different. But I do always want to have at least one KPI that we can point to that's going to help to be that indicator on brand. And then also tying things back to ROI. So, you know, if we build a strategy and you're going to spend money on that strategy let's figure out what are the activities that we can point to as we move into the go-to-market that we can then tie back and say, wow, we actually saw the ROI on this brand strategy because our go-to-market efforts, we had a much more efficient spend. We had to spend less time on copywriters because they actually had all the positioning done for them. We had to spend less time image sourcing because we already have the image direction or picking out what are those Key metrics that are going to help you to continue to make that case that leading with brand is going to be that tailwind. It's just about figuring out what the right metrics are going to be for your business.
0: Yeah, this is such an interesting question, and something that I ponder quite a bit is like, how do you prove that brand strategy? As a part of your overall business strategy and goals and getting to that ROI, how do you actually measure and prove that out? And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's hard. And so what I started to think about, including within my own business, Mm -hmm. is instead of using big data, and actually Mm -hmm. I had a guest on my podcast that is super smart and she had mentioned this. And I thought, oh my gosh, yes. Instead of always using the big data where you have large data sets of information, use the small data, mm. the qualitative stuff where you get some, really. you know, that alignment that you want. It wasn't there before, but now you're getting like comments and mm. engagement mm. And from the right people.
1: And so that can be enough. That Absolutely. can be enough of a measurement device. I think that's super powerful. And one thing I'll say that can be a great measure is so when we do the brand strategy work and we go back and we we kind of go back to do an assessment and we talk to customers again what I always try to look for is are the customers able to speak in the brand's words right to me that's it like when we started this conversation and you were saying about giddy up right like when the people who are following me start using my words that's when I'm like yes it's working because when your customers Understand your words, they start as their words, right? You're using the customer's words, those are going out into the market, they're connecting hopefully with your customer. And then when you go back to talk to your customers, you can start to hear how they're describing your brand and how they're talking about your brand. That's the tie back, and that becomes you know the consistency and the proof, and starting to hear it in your customer's words. So, I think the small data is a super powerful way to do that.
0: Totally. And then they're the ones that are going to talk to the other folks that are exactly. in their network. And you want them to really be your Evangelist, and if they're your fans, you want them to speak about you in the correct way. That's right. And to just like even say something about you, to have something to say, to have right, to know like what you stand for in their mind. So it's so important. Exactly. Okay, let's keep moving because I got tons more questions for you. Let's do it. I'm ready. (laughs) Tell me, where do most of your clients, customers get marketing and growth? wrong? What are the big mistakes you're seeing, big challenges you're seeing over and over? Maybe it has to do with brand strategy, maybe not. Where are the problem areas?
1: I would say there's probably a few. So maybe I could articulate three. I'd say the first one is thinking you know the customer, but you don't really know the customer, right? So, and look, this is just life. You're know, you running a business, you're doing a million different things. It's so easy to get mired in the day-to-day. And as your business is growing, you move further away from the customer, right? You're all of a sudden in more meetings and managing more things at a higher level and partnerships and all this other stuff. And the customer's here. And when you think you know what the customer wants or needs or desires, you need to double check that. Because I often find when we get into this is they say, well, we know the personas or customer service. They know the customer. Or customer success, you know, they own the customer. And the challenge with that is everyone needs to own the customer. And if marketing doesn't have access to the customer's voice and to knowing what the customer says, they're not going to be able to write the copy and build the campaigns and do all of the things in the market in the customer's words. And so I think the first thing is. If you think you know the customer, really challenge yourself to make sure that what your assumptions are, there's fact and there's fiction. So make sure you know what the difference is, right? I'd say the second thing is everyone wants to be moving as fast as possible, right? And it's, I want to be agile and nimble, and we got to get to the market faster, and we got to do more, and we got to do more. To me, speed has become the lead. And what oftentimes I see is that everyone's moving so fast into the tactics that they've missed being able to pick their heads up and look around. And so their marketing teams are just pumping stuff out. They don't know why it's not, it's not working. So, but they don't know why. And so when we back it up and we say, well, who are your customers? What do they want from you? How are you different from your competitors? What does that, you know, and we ask all of those questions. It's like they haven't plugged all the gaps, right? And they haven't done that work. So they've just moved right to the tactics. And so I think what we want to do is move fast to get to execution, but that strategic part is so core in making sure that we can get to the right efficiency. And I'd say the third part is thinking about how you're constantly getting some outside perspective, right? It's really easy to be drinking, I call it like drinking your own Kool-Aid. And what happens sometimes is that you just you kind of lose perspective and it's easy to think that you are the special snowflake and you know you have the best special snowflake but if you don't know how to talk about that or to get some outside perspective about what that really needs to look like to connect with your market you can really miss out on you know use that word those nuggets it's like what are those nuggets that are really going to connect and sometimes you need that outside perspective to really be able to surface those because you just get too close to it you know you're in it every day so I'd say those are some of the things that we see, you know, our customers, some mistakes we see our customers making and, and they're easy fixes in that they're all fixable. They just require some new thinking and kind of a new way to roll up your sleeves and kind of get in there and find some new solutions together. Love it. Thank you. I
0: love love that you provided those three, that speed one and Mm -hmm. how marketing team, marketing ops is just pumping stuff out. I run into that one quite a bit Mm -hmm. and And sometimes it's just a matter of like the team is thinking of these great ideas and they've got these like this content and I want to get that out there and it's going to be amazing, but it's like so much inward thinking yes. you know, our content is our stuff. It's going to be amazing, but it's not about you, right? You love how that looks. You love how that sounds. It's not about you. And that is yes. so hard because just it's a psychological thing and we're all people. We all want to kind of be the owners of what we think is going to be good for someone else. Maybe as a parent, this is also yeah. very yes, it connects totally. with that too, right? We think we know, but then every person is different. And then when you think about like, understanding your target audience, these people are different from you. So you have to step outside of that thinking that you know what's right for them. And before you speed up and get all that great content that you think is great out to them, you have to understand, do they actually need that? Do they want that? Do they find value in that? And ask those questions.
1: Totally. I mean, you totally nailed that, Anna, because, you know, we call that living in the customer mindset. So that is the power. And this is where it's like, I sometimes feel like brand needs a rebrand because to me, brand is living in the customer mindset. And when you're living in the customer mindset, it's not what you like or what I like or what I think or what you think. It's what does the persona think? I was gonna come up with crafty persona name. You know, what does the persona think? And so the value of those personas is it it gives you an objective lens And it really helps you live in the customer mindset because so many of the teams that we come in to help, they're writing what they think, (laughs) right? Or they've over jargoned everything and technology companies, you know, B2B companies, I love you, but this is what we do, right? We're like super jargony. We talk about AI and machine learning and all of our how. But we don't think about the why in the terms of the customer, in terms of the value, in terms of the problems that we're solving, and how we're going to make them better, how we're going to help them achieve their goals, right? And so when I think about that, the personas are really the value of personas, are they, they give you that objective tool. And we're just helping a client and doing personas workshops where we're going to use those personas to actually build the campaigns. I don't want marketers off building campaigns on their own. I want them doing that collaboratively in a creative way and putting the personas up and thinking about like, what are their motivators? Why would they want to even consider this? What's the value that we can add? How do we serve them? And really going deep on those motivators that requires getting into, you know, really living in that customer mindset. And I think that's a shift for a lot of businesses where they have the best intentions to be customer-centered or customer-centric or customer-focused, but living in the customer's shoes every day and living in the mindset, that's a shift. And when that happens, to me, that's when all of that really interesting stuff can happen in your market where all of a sudden, you start thinking differently about campaigns and creative ideas and that's the engine. You know, everybody talks about the flywheel. To me, getting that flywheel going is not just throwing a bunch of stuff out there. It's really getting into that customer mindset and using that as your fuel to really making things go.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, this is another gold nugget that I love (laughs) that came out in this episode. I love it. (laughs) So let's talk about the work that you do. It's across industries. Your background is in financial services. You're helping yep. a cybersecurity company out. You're helping a Fortune five hundred, whatever industry yep. that is. You work across B2C and B2B, B, is that right? Yes. So B2B,
1: B2C, B2B to C. Yeah. You know, the whole so- thing. <laughs>
0: So tell me, How is this possible? And I'm talking about like B2C, B2B, different industries. Like, how is it possible? Because I get this question too. I'm People sure are looking for that specific consultant that can help with their specific industry. But why is it not necessary to go looking for that? Like, what, what is your advice here? You, you don't need someone that's been in the restaurant industry to help you with your restaurant startup. You, you know, oh. you don't, Well, I can go on and on, but why is that?
1: Okay, so here's what I would say. It's really about what the customer wants, right? So we sell to CEOs and CMOs. And if you're a CEO or a CMO that believes that the only way to solve your problem or to get the help that you need is to hire someone who knows your industry then I'm not going to be the right person for you, right? If you think that the only way to get that expertise is to hire someone who's like, that's all they do is embedded in the financial services industry or the life sciences industry. And life sciences, this is a great example. I mean, one of our clients, you know, they're a $24 billion life science client. We had no life sciences expertise, none. I mean, I had always said like life sciences, biotech, pharma, like we don't have that. They brought us in to solve a very large brand and business strategy problem because we were not in their industry. So you have to know what you want. If you want someone to come in, and I always kind of explain it like, I come in and I kind of turn over the rocks that you didn't know need to be turned over. I know you do this too, Anna. Like you can come in and kind of find the wormholes, (laughs) you know, and sort of find the places where If I only have a lens, it's like all I do is life sciences or all I do is financial services. Can I go deep on that? For sure. Do I know those customers? For sure. And it's not knocking that. It's just a different lens by which to look at the problem. And what I do is I come in and I say, I've looked at the under the hood of hundreds of businesses. And now I can say, you know, so we're working on a beauty brand, okay, a multinational beauty brand. You would say, what does a beauty brand have to do with cybersecurity, life sciences, AI data analytics? When I think about all of these engagements, we always start with the customer. So it's not about the industry per se. It's about really, really understanding their customers. And then I can start to think strategically about what have I seen in other businesses that I can apply here? And that happens all the time, even if it's like a B2B to a B2C. It's, well, have you thought about like an influencer strategy, right? So B2C, it's like influencer strategies, everything. We're working with a B2B client right now where I'm like, you know what? We should really be thinking about influencer strategy. We don't need Kim Kardashian but who are these influencers and how can we really bake that into our strategy or social media channels like TikTok and all these other channels that are really leading for B2C? Knowing what are those best practices that I can then bring and say, okay, maybe you shouldn't be on this channel, but you should be on this channel, or we should think about this other channel because that's going to really map to our personas. So to me, I love solving those big problems and and being able to come in really quickly, understand a business, understand a new industry. It's that challenge, I guess, that gets me up in the morning. And then being able to take all of these different experiences that I've had. And for our clients, they really benefit from that because it's not a cookie cutter engagement. It's like you're really going to get the most creative thinking because I can bring all these different experiences to the table. So for our business and for me personally, that's been a very conscious decision not to just be in one swim lane. I love the ability to be growing and learning with our clients.
0: I can connect with that in a way because Part of the work that I do is to help a venture capital firm, like get on a call with some of their early stage funded companies and talk to them about marketing and growth. And it's across industries. And I find it so fascinating. Like, it's so exciting because I just love that bird's eye view and to be able to help them and have a process, right? It's really about process. If you start with the customer, that's part of your process. Customer-led, brand-led, and then everything kind of falls into place from there. And that has been really fun to like figure out these patterns that the the approach that you can repeat and then bring that creative thinking because you've had experience across different industries to whoever you're trying
1: to help. So I absolutely can't agree with you on that. Um, And the framework, I mean, I do think framework i feel like everyone's talking about their frameworks but having to us we have this brand led framework and it's meant to be the guidance through there's always twists and turns that we have to take kind of around it or maybe outside it but it really is to guide us through the process and so it doesn't matter if you're a multinational beauty brand or a life sciences company or you know a startup that's just got their seed round and you know they're trying to build the next data analytics platform. The process and the way that we think is going to help us really unlock those ideas that are going to be that tailwind. And so I think as people are considering having help like this, making sure that the framework is really going to be able to help them get where they need to go. And that creative thinking to me is everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And one more thing I wanted to mention was that like, we're living in a time where it's just all about people and you and I hear this and we agree with this. And I think (laughs) most people can agree that the difference between B2C and B2B in different industries is just, it always comes back to the people Mm. and people are connecting with companies and buying stuff like from their phone from their couch, <laughs> they're not buying right away. They're talking to their friends. Like it's just all over the place and it's for both B2C and B2B. Maybe it, it happens faster for B2C, like you have a right. uh, smaller size buying team and a smaller right. purchase price, but right. it is people at the end of the day. So that is why it really does not matter when you work across industries and across You're you know, so B2B. Right.
1: And I think that's the key, Anna, is your brand is about connecting to a person you're not selling to businesses you're selling to people and that's the power of brand is really being able to hone in to that the psychology of people and you know the ethnography and like how do you really get into their mindset and connect with people as people because we're all humans and like i just want you to talk to me as a person and get to know me and then we build a relationship and i trust you and then it's easier for me to do something with you once you've built that trust so i think it's all about people needing people. Yeah. I love it. I think a song that sounds like that. So
0: (laughs) send it my way. I want to listen to it it on my soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Michelle. I had loads more questions to ask you, but I'm going to save it for next time when I have you come back as my guest. So I appreciate your time.
1: And thank you for being such a giver. And for sharing all of your know-how with so many people, like you are just an inspiration. So I'm so thankful to have you like on the team and be just like working together. And I'm really excited. So thank you.
0: Same here. I'm all about the giving. I'm all about the same, helping.
1: So, same, same. That's why
0: we're kindred spirits, Michelle. Spirit <laughs> animals, my friends.
1: Well, thanks, Diana. Right.
0: Thank you. I look
1: forward to talking to you again. Giddy up.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping regularly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Anna Furmanov, or visit my website, FurmanovMarketing.com.